haven't even got my headphones on yet. Well, who's supposed to say? <coughs> pushy, pushy. Okay, yeah. I also. Hey, Bug, how are you? Good afternoon, Bug. I can't say good morning. Yeah, because it's too there. Yeah, it's too dark. <laughs> how are you, honey? First of first one in. <laughs> Hey, Nicole. I'm doing okay. We're doing okay. Good doing evening, okay? Nicole. Well, I don't know how good I'm doing. <laughs> it's like I'm losing my voice. Yeah, I just got a little bit of a cold. Hello, Nicole. Hey, Patrick. Good morning, Patrick. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Age of Darkness, how you doing? Hey, Age of Darkness. Hey, Hello, Ron. How is everybody this morning or this afternoon, I should say? This evening. Wherever you're at. Yes. How are you doing? <laughs> Adi's being pushy today. <laughs> That's why we're starting early. <laughs> no. I just want to make sure exactly 10 o'clock. The magnet goes in. Oh, oh, that's it. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing well. I feel warm. I feel warm too. Well, you're wearing a hoodie. I'm, I mean, I feel warm. <laughs> right, yeah. I get what you're saying. Hey, Zach. Zach, how you doing? Oh, goodness. Everybody's over in D-Live. Let me see. Pretty much. Okay, YouTube is working over there. All right. Yeah, it's only cold. He's going to be a baby for a couple days. And then... Oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, Ron's mooning already. <laughs> Ron be mooning. <laughs> Don't be mooning. Yeah, it was weird. I was fine last night. Woke up this morning. I'm all congested. My voice is going. <laughs> I am not Mr. Shadows of the Moon. <laughs> How are you doing, Zach? <laughs> no, I, I, I just think I'm, I got a cold. The weather changes uh, so frequently up here that it, usually about every three weeks, you'll end up getting a, like a 24-hour bug or something. Yeah. Yeah. So if you hear them sniffling, that's what's happening. 
Damn. Although, although, oh, we got the magnets on. Hold on. Let me. Yeah. I haven't even started Blog Talk Radio yet. Well, that's not my fault. It's 10 o'clock. So now you're late. I even made you start early. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one that can be late when she's on time. <laughs> right? That's about it. I they. <laughs> one second, guys. Good morning, Pammy. Good morning, Pammy. Hey, Cassie. Good morning, Cassie. Oh, Pammy, when I just got a small cold like this, I don't take anything. It's okay, Zach. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, Zach. He's just messing with you. He's, you're good. Just don't call him late for dinner. He'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pammy. Sorry, I was trying to get everything situated. He made he rushed me and then made me forget things. Is <laughs> <laughs> that I'm I'm chaos. <laughs> or Eddie. Hey, Andy. Andy, oh, how you doing? Let the games begin. Good morning, everybody. Hey, is that the one over by Beirut? Is that what you're talking about? Eddie had seen it this morning. If that's the one you're talking about, that thing looked like an atomic bomb going off. That's crazy. I haven't seen that. Mr. Ron. Sorry, good evening, Andy. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, I seen that. Uh, I just caught it like 20 minutes ago. And it was just like, holy Christ. But it did. It looked like an atomic bomb had gone off. All right, let's go ahead and. Apparently, time to start the show. You heard the can, correct? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Well, no, yeah, Andy, I agree. That's that's like me on a, a really rough morning. <laughs> we have our magnets in. We started at exactly ten o'clock. We have twenty eight so, minutes to said, go. What? Twenty eight minutes to go. Okay. <laughs> and this is day sixteen. Yeah, you can tell there was a lot of damage. It, it looked like it, it uh, covered like I don't know. I'd say a good five city blocks. Damn, that's crazy. You had kebab last night? Oh, I haven't seen Oh, Pammy, be careful. Be safe, Pammy. Yeah, definitely be safe. I haven't had kebab in so long. Oh, my God. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, definitely. So today's, of course, True Crime Tuesday. Do you have your... Thing pulled up? I'm not going to try to read it today. Okay. Not with my voice. Well, then, Freaky Geek, if he comes in. I'm going to blame you. <laughs> That's so long. <laughs> you know, you talk kilometers, I have no idea how, <laughs> how big that is. So, today on our show, we have, of course, you know, we're discussing true crime. Missing 411 case in the unsolved murders on the first half of the show. We'll be talking about the baffling death of Gloria Ramez, the toxic lady. Then we'll be talking about. All women are toxic. 
No, she's really guilty. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the, of course, the unsolved Villisca X murders. And then we'll be discussing the X-Men of New Orleans. And last but not least, the disappearance of Nicole, not Nicole. Nicole, you're still here. You're good. Um, Nicholas Barkley, the imposter. Wow. Along with Bobby Dunbar, the boy who vanished and came back as a new child. And he says a kilometer is about 3,300 feet. So wow. if it was 10 kilometers, that that was a huge explosion. Definitely. Hey, Skooks. Skooks, how you doing? Welcome, welcome. <laughs> so, yeah. So, good show today. Of course, on the second half of the show, if, well, if we have time. Which is we never do. I know. And, and it, I, I don't know where Shadows went to school at, but we do a two-hour show. And she says on the second half of the show, which would be into the second hour, yeah, is where people can call in or come up on panel and this and that. But she never, the second half of the show. I know. I try. <laughs> I try. There's just so many good stories out there. And I like hearing your guys's, you know. And, of course, don't forget... You know, at the end of the show, when I roll the credits, you know where to go. Straight to hell. Uh, don't forget, keep voting. Yes. The, the poll should be popping up soon. I hope. Now that you said that, it probably won't. <laughs> and, of course, look for that. Okay, theme. Scoops. <laughs> okay. We We're promise not... we won't have fun until you get back. Everybody, no laughing. That's right. Everybody sing the Jeopardy song or hum the Jeopardy tune. Or something. <laughs> 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 so um look for of course look for the link. It'll be in all caps about um me and Addy doing wacky shit. That I had no idea that this was going to happen until yesterday. Because the link that will be attached to that, the four, first four people that click on that link get free packs. Do you have your blog talk going? Yes, I do. Okay. I never heard the uh, the phone this time. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't. No, I have no, it. no, no, I can't, Andy. I missed it. I'm sorry. He says, I don't know the Jeopardy song, so can you edit it with all of rendition? <laughs> good try, Andy. It was a good try. Yeah, you almost got me. <laughs> so the first story we have up is the baffling death of Gloria Roma, Roma, Ramirez, the toxic lead. That person. Yeah. So when Gloria Rez, oh my God, when Gloria... <laughs> Ramirez was, yeah, you, and I can't even see her screen. <laughs> was rushed to the hospital and medical personnel began working on her. Nurses took note of an odd smells and then they mysteriously fainted. Something farting? No. Gloria was an ordinary woman living in Riversdale, California, with two children and a husband, Robert Brian Taylor. Um, I know that song very well, Andy. Uh, <laughs> so she was living in California with her two children and husband. Reverend Brian Taylor called her, her a friend to everyone she met and a joker who brought joy to others. 
However, that all changed on February 19, 1994, when Gloria was rushed to General Hospital in Riverside. She was undergoing a rapid heartbeat and drop in blood pressure. The woman could hardly breathe and was answering questions in an incoherent sentence. To make the case even more unusual, the woman just was just 31 years old. Ramirez had also late-stage cervical cancer, which would explain her dear, you know, her medical condition deteriorating. Doctors and nurses went to work on Ramirez right away to save her life. They followed procedures as much as possible by injecting her with the drugs to try to bring her vital signs to normal. Nothing worked. When nurses removed the woman's shirt to apply a defibrillator electrodes, they noticed a strange oily sheen on her body. Medical staff also smelled a fruity, garlicky, garlicky odor coming from her mouth. Nurses then placed a syringe in Romero's arm to obtain blood sample. Her blood smelled like ammonia, and there was manila-colored particles floating in her blood. And he's going to get his butt whooped by Nicole. <laughs> The doctors in charge of the ER that night looked at the blood samples and agreed with the nurses on duty. Something wasn't right with the patient, and it had nothing to do with heart failure. Suddenly, one of the attending nurses started to faint. Another nurse developed breathing problems. A third nurse passed out, and then she awoke, and she was unable to move her arms or legs. What was going on? What, Eddie? What? I don't want to be anywhere near that woman. A total of six people were unable to treat Ramirez because they kept having strange symptoms. That somehow, How you doing? That somehow related to the patient. Who came in? Freaky Geek. Oh, hey, Freaky Geek. Symptoms range from fainting and shortness of breath to nausea and temporary paralysis. Ramirez died that night. Even after the patient's death, the night at the hospital got even weirder. In order to handle the body, a special team arrived in hazmat suits. The team searched the ER for any signs of poison gas, toxins, or other foreign substance. The hazmat team didn't find anything that could suggest how the medical staff fainted. The team then put the body in a sealed aluminum casket. An autopsy didn't happen until almost a week later in a special room where the autopsy team conducted its work in hazmat suits as a precaution. Well, that's what she was just saying, Andy. They, they couldn't find anything. Yeah. The press dubbed Ramirez as the toxic lady because no one could get near the body without facing a bevy of medical problems. Yet, no one could point to a definitive cause shortly after death. Officials conducted three autopsies. One occurred six days after death then six weeks, and right before her burial. You, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to be the doctor that had to do an autopsy. Right. If, if everything's happening to these nurses and stuff, I, I wouldn't want to do it. A more thorough autopsy happened on March 25th, more than a month after Ramirez passed away. The team concluded that there were signs of Tylenol, lidocaine, codeine, and Tygen in her system. Tygen is an anti-nauseous medication, and it breaks down into amines in the body. Amines are related to ammonia, which could explain the ammonia smell in Ramirez's body. You know, when they took the blood. Oh. Thank cool. you, Cool Good, for the follow. 
Patrick says he remembers hearing about this case. Oh, really? More importantly, the toxicology report said the Romero's had large amounts of dimethylsulfine in her blood and tissues. Dimethylsulfine does occur naturally in the human body as it breaks down certain substances. Once it, once it enters the body, it disappears quickly with a half-life of just three days. However, there is much in Romero's system. It's still registered at three times the normal amount six weeks following her death. Three weeks later, on April 12, 1994, county officials announced that Ramirez died of heart failure due to kidney failure brought on, late stage, brought on by late-stage cervical cancer. Ramirez was diagnosed with cancer six weeks before her death. She That's was, sad. What about six weeks before her death? She was diagnosed with late-stage cervical cancer. Oh, so weeks. she was basically on, on her last leg. Right. The unusual, the unusual substance in her blood was uh, were too low to explain her death. Even though they were elevated levels of pneumonia and dimethyl sulfone to her body, it took county officials two months to release the body for proper funeral because of the toxicity levels and fears that people would faint and pass out. Well, it makes sense. The woman's family um, was incensed. Her sister blamed deplorable conditions at the hospital for the death. They don't know. Although the facility was cited for violations in the past, there was nothing in the county's investigation that pointed to conditions in the hospital being at fault. After an investigation lasting several months, officials concluded that the hospital staff suffered too much stress and suffered from mass cyogenic sy- sy- illness triggered by an order. In other words, it was a mass hysteria. Medical staff at the hospital urged the coroner's office to take a closer look at the file. The assistant deputy director, Pat Grant, made a startling con- conclusion. Ramirez covered her skin from head to toe in DMSO or dimethylsulfane as a possible way to cure her late-stage cervical cancer. Medical science labeled DMSO a toxic substance in 1965. The reason for Ramirez's use of toxic substance on her skin goes back to the DMSO was all the rage as a cure-all. Researcher in the early 60s led doctors to believe that DMSO could relieve pain and reduce anxiety. Athletes would rub the cream on their skin to try to relieve aches and muscles. The study in mice showed DMSO could ruin your eyesight. The fad of the cream stopped for the most part. It, but it did gain an underground following as a cure-all for many types of ailments. By late 70s, the only way to get the substance was a degreaser in a hardware store. The DMSO found in degreasers was 99% pure, as opposed to less concentrated form that was in muscle creams in the 1960s. Hi, Blue. Hey, Blue. It could be a reason to seek a doctor because of an interaction between drugs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You don't know what you're putting that mixes with the drugs you're taking. Right. Yeah, well, that's... It's one thing I never understood. Like when you see a commercial for uh, a drug, 
it always tells you, don't take it if you're allergic to it. How the hell do I know if I'm allergic to it? Right, right. <laughs> Grant looked at what happened to DMSO when it was exposed to oxygen and had a revelation. Hi, he Sid. He said, the substance converts to dismal sulfate, not sulfone, like what she was getting, because it adds oxygen to the chemical structure. And it acts much differently than the, the sulfone. As a gas, it almost sounds like you're saying cell phone. I know. Well, it's S U L F A or F O N E for that one. As a gas, dimethyl sulfate vapors destroy cells in people's eyes, lungs, and mouth. When this vapor gets on into the body, it causes convulsions, delirium, and paralysis. Of the 20 symptoms described by the medical staff that night, 19 of them matched the symptoms of people who have been exposed to this cream. So they think that's what basically did all this, is her rubbing that cream. You know, I mean, you try anything, right? Well, you know, when you're that close to death, you're going to try anything. Right. And that's another thing. And he just brought up a good point, too. He says it uh, amazes me with the bulk of antidepressants I have been prescribed over the years, warning, may cause suicidal tendencies. Right. Why the hell are you going to give me a drug? <laughs> because they don't know. I mean, I'll tell you the story. I mean, I, I think some of you have heard it before. I, I get it. But, but when you think about it. Right. It's like. Because they don't know if it's going to. Right. I, I know. I understand. But what I'm saying is when you just read something like that, and I'm depressed. But now you're going to give me a drug that says may cause suicidal tendencies. I'm already depressed. I don't need that. Right, right. I mean, I understand. Yeah. I mean, when... Uh, <laughs> right, Freaky D. May cause don't mean it'll happen. I mean, they really honestly, you know, like I said before, when I had uh, my toothache, I was pregnant with Ryan, actually. Mr. Minkster. I was going to say, it's Mr. Minkster. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had a really bad toothache. I'd already gone to the hospital. I had already gotten eight shots of Novocaine. He's like, honey, we can't give you no more. <laughs> um, and I went home and it went wore off and I was in pain. I mean, really bad pain. And I called up the dentist and I was like, what can I take that won't harm the baby, you know? And he's like, what do you have? And I said, the only thing I have is one pill of hydrocodone. And he's like, take half of that. And I'm like, well, what about the baby? And he's like, honey, you're putting more stress on that baby being in pain, being in pain that that hydrocodone is going to do. He's like, listen, when it comes to prescriptions and stuff like that, the reason we tell you not to is because we don't know. The only reason like with Tylenol, was okay for pregnant women was because somebody took one on accident. Right. You know they what found I mean? Out that it didn't harm the baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, that's what happens in the medical world. They just don't know. They're trying their damnedest to help, hoping that it's going to work. And then they just. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I understand what's being said. It, it, it's just like an oxymoron, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it. I'm depressed. 
but you're going to give me pills that may cause suicidal thoughts. Right. I, I understand, you know, the the reasoning and everything. Right. But it's yeah. just like it just doesn't sound right. Right. And obviously it worked out all, all right because Ryan's fine. <laughs> True. Seems how he's uh, volunteered his time to serve our country. Yes. Um, you know, and, you know, I've taken those antidepressant pills before I because I've had depression and anxiety all my life. Um, like I was on one for a while that I had to because I'm not good at taking pills. I'll, I'll be the first to admit Eddie will tell you he has to yell at me when I even have a migraine to take pills. God damn, take some weed. <laughs> I think he's just telling me that I'm bitchy. <laughs> it, it, it's like. Uh, I'd go to work and I'd tell her, I'd say, I'd just take a couple of leave. And, and it'd be like four hours later, I'd come back. And I'm like, why is your head? Did you take any? No, I didn't take any yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the one antidepressant that I had, to, because I have a metal rod in my butt, and I have a metal rod in my bar. I have a metal bar in my leg. Um, from when She's I got a leg in her metal bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the one, uh, when I was taking Wellbutrin, I had to, when I started it, I had to let the doctors at the hospital know because there's such a scare for blood clotting. And with my metal, the operation I had, they were just worried that, you know, because I, I would, the first time I took it, I all of a sudden started limping and I didn't know. I didn't even notice it. Like one of my friends is like, why are you limping? And I'm like, I'm limping. You know what I mean? And they had to go and check it out and make sure that I didn't have a blood clot or anything like that. So anytime that I stopped taking that or started it, it was like I had to call the doctors and say, hey, I'm starting my medicine again because I forgot to take it two days ago. You know, (laughs) I was like, I need to get off this shit because (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) remember when I stopped taking the meds. It almost went away. Seven months later, you can take meds. Yeah, that's pretty sad that it, they didn't say anything to him till about seven months later. Oh, the bill will make you do that. Right, right. That, that should be a warning that they tell you right from the word go. Yeah, same here, Patrick. Same here. I, I've been going, what, five years? Six years without meds? About that, yeah. Yeah. Um. But that's a lot of work in itself, too. Like, don't, hey, just Jim. Just Jim, how you We're doing? not, you know, saying quit your meds. Definitely not. Um, but, yeah. Hey, Tommy. How you doing, Tommy? Hi. How you doing? That's true, Pedro. Yeah, everything's like a trial and an error when, it, when a new drug comes out. They, they can't guarantee what it's going to do. Yeah, exactly. They just don't know. <laughs> gotta love it, Jim. Gotta love it, right? Another day of work. <laughs> I wish I could go to work. Me too. Actually, right now, I'm waiting on a phone call. Yeah. In hopes I can get this damn job. But, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and then things like this do this. I mean, I, I've never heard of DMSO. I don't remember it being a fate. I mean, well, in the 70s. I, I was Joanne. not even a awake or not even awake not even born 
I'm not awake yet. Wow. <laughs> hey, Joanne, how are you? <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <Jill>. Wow. <laughs> I think this magnet is really getting to her. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> it could be. It's making me even more loony. Oh, I didn't think it was possible, but <laughs> she is defying all odds. <laughs> She's whooping me off. <laughs> <laughs> I did no such thing. So if he does do this, gets this job, guys, he'll be working overnight. So maybe we'll have some PGA parties and do, uh, you know, some overnight investigations in here. That'd be messed up. <laughs> so you can, uh, yeah, you see. Oh, okay. So you can imagine how loopy I'll be during the show. Yeah, just getting off of work and or staying up a little bit after you get off of work. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be wild if he does get the show. <laughs> so the next story, we're gonna be talking about the unsolved Villisca X murders, of course. Do you know about the Villisca X murders? No, but I know about X Murder Hollow. Yeah, well that's in PA. I know. I, I live by it. I, <laughs> <laughs> So, the bloody Villisca ass murders have stumped authorities for over a century, despite numerous suspects, two trials, and a confession. Let me go ahead and share this, so you guys can say. Maybe. Because we know how this works. It's Missy's computer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the computer. What are you saying? What are you saying, man? No, I ain't saying anything. So this is the... I'm disagreeing with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bulliska X Murder House. Okay. This is the generic version of uh, Amityville. <laughs> the house. This happened before Amityville. At the end of a quiet street in Bulliska, Iowa, there sits an old white frame house. Up on the street, there is a group of churches, and a few blocks away is a park that faces a middle school. The old white house looks like many of the other houses that filled the neighborhood. <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> I know my ex treated me like a god. Burnt offerings every okay. day. <laughs> no, 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 freaky. I was agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stupid. <laughs> the old white house looks like many of the others that fill the neighborhood, but unlike them, it lies abandoned. The house admits no light or sound, and upon closer inspection, the doors are found to be <laughs> tightly boarded up. A small sign in front reads, Valeska X Murder House. Despite its ominous air, the little white house has once, it was once filled with life, life that was harshly stamped out one summer's night in 1912, when a mysterious stranger broke in and viciously bludgeoned its eight sleeping inhabitants to death. Hi, Christina. Hey, Christina. Be safe. Absolutely. Please yes, stay safe. Be safe. I, I know what you guys are going through. I, I lived in Florida for 13 years. Um. So the event would, of course become known as the Villisca Asks Murders and would baffle law enforcement for over a century. 
On June 10, 1912, the Moore family was sleeping peacefully in their beds. Joe and Sarah Mora were asleep upstairs while their four children were resting in a room down the hall. Welcome back, Scoops. Welcome back, we, Scoops. We had no, absolutely no fun. We had no fun while, while you were here. <laughs> um, in the guest room on the first floor were two girls, the Stillingen sisters, who had come for a sleepover. Shortly after midnight, a stranger entered through the unlocked door that was uncommon back then. Um, and plucked an old oil lamp from a nearby table, rigging it to burn so low it supplied light for barely one person. On one hand, the stranger held the lamp, lighting the way through the house. In his other, he held an axe. Ignoring the sleeping girls downstairs, the stranger made his way up the stairs, guided by the lamp, and seemingly unknowledged of the home's layout. He crept past the room with the children and into Mr. and Mr. Moore's bedroom, then made his way to the children's room and finally back down to the bedroom downstairs. Then as quickly and silently as he, he arrived, the stranger left, taking keys from the home and locking the doors behind him. How many people did he kill? Eight in total. And, and nobody heard anything? Nope. That's, of course, the Moores with two of their children. Hold on a second. Okay. The next morning, the neighbors became suspicious, noticing that usually a rambunctious home was dead quiet. They alerted Joe's brother, who arrived to take a look. When he saw what he saw after letting himself in with his own key was enough to make him sick. Everyone in the house was dead, all eight of them. Legend beyond recognition. It, and, and the weird part is, though, he left the house and locked the door. Yeah, I know. Why would you do that? It, 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 just, I don't know. <laughs> the police determined that the Moore parents had been murdered first and, the, and with obvious force. The axe that was used to kill them had been swung so high above the murderer's head that it gouged the ceiling above the bed oh my god christina holy moly there are big branches falling on the roof be careful christina please hurry back patrick i think this can make somewhere for me to crawl into christina oh man we are we're doing good thank you for asking Absolutely. We're doing just fine. Well, I'm, I've got kind of a slight bug, but uh-oh. Camera time. All right. The magnets are out. Day 16, right? Yep. Done. Day 16. So, the police determined that the more parents had been murdered first and with obvious force. The axe that had been used to kill them had swung so high above the murderer's head that it gouged the ceiling above the bed. Joe alone had been hit with the axe at least 30 times. Now, Sid, you be safe, too. Yeah, Sid, be careful. Everybody that's facing any of this yeah. part of the storm or anything, please, please be careful. So, Joe had been um, hit with the axe at least 30 times. The faces of both parents, as well as the children, had been reduced to nothing but a bloody bulk. The states of the bodies wasn't the most concerning power, however, once police had searched the home. 
After murdering the Moors, the killer had apparently set up some kind of ritual. He had covered the Moors' parents' heads with sheets. And the Moor, thank you thank so you, much Scoop. for the lemon. And the, you got me there. I jumped a little. <laughs> <laughs> he covered the Moors' parents' heads with sheets and the Moor children's face with clothing. Then he went through each room in the house, covering all the mirrors and windows with cloths and towels. At some point, he took a two-pound piece of uncooked bacon from the fridge and placed it in the living room, along with a keychain. Was he calling the pork gone? The bowl of, a bowl of water was found in the home, spirals of blood swirling through it. Police believed that the murderer had washed his hands on it before leaving. By the time the police, the coroner, and the minister, uh, several doctors thoroughly pursued through the crime scene, word of the vicious crimes had spread, and the crowd outside the home had gathered. Okay, now you, you said the mirrors never covered up. Scoop says uh, covering the mirrors was a Victorian thing to keep the spirits from getting trapped in the house. Right, yeah. Officials, but he didn't open the windows. He he. Because that's usually what they did. Yeah, you'll cover the mirrors and open, open the, window. the windows so they can go out. But he covered the windows, too. Officials cautioned the townspeople against going inside. But as soon as the premises was clear, at least 100 townspeople gave into the gross fascinations and went through the blood-splattered home. Yeah, no, I'm good. One of the townspeople even took a fragment of Joe's skull for a keepsake. What? Yeah. Why wouldn't the spirits just use the mirror to go back? Well, I, I guess the old myth is, though, is if you die in, in there's a, a mirror or something around, your spirit will actually go to that mirror. It'll be trapped. And be trapped in it. Sure about that, Eddie? Uh, what part? About you being okay not to go in the house. <laughs> No, I, I probably would go in. <laughs> As for the perpetrator of the Villisca axe murder, the police had shocking few leads. A few half-hearted efforts to search the town and surrendering countryside were made, though most officials believed that it was roughly a five-hour head start that the killer had and would be long gone. One, how, how, how long of a head start? Five hours. What well, damn? Because it was in the middle of the night. Right. Well, how did anybody know the family was dead? The neighbors noticed, usually because they have so many kids. Oh, there was they, no activity. Yeah, there was so no activity. Let's do a welfare check. Yeah, basically. Um, bloodhounds were brought in, but no success, as the crime scene had been fully demolished by the townspeople. Ro Romies? Omies. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, how are you? You How you what, doing? Do you know what that was like for me to try and pronounce? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Welcome. Long time no see. <laughs> A few suspects were named over time, though no none of them panned out. The first was Frank Jones, a local businessman who had been in competition with Joe Moore. Moore had worked for Jones for seven years in the farm equipment sales business before leaving and starting his own rival business. There was also that rumor that Joe was having an affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, through the reports were unfounded. The townspeople insisted, however, that the Morris and the Joneses harbored a deep <coughs> hatred for each other, 
So no one admits it was bad enough to spark murder. The sus second suspect seemed far more likely even confessed to the murders, though he re later recanted, claiming police brutality. I can't talk. Uh, Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly was an English wow. immigrant who had a history of sexual deviancy and mental problems. He even admitted to being in town the night of the Villisca Ats murders and admitted that he had left early in the morning. Though his small stature and meek personality led to some doubt in his involvement, there are certain factors police believe made him the perfect candidate. Kelly was left-handed, which police determined from the blood splatters that the killer was too. He also had a history with the Moore family, as many had seen him watching them while at church and out and about in the town. A dry cleaner in the nearby town had received bloody clothing from Kelly a few days after the murders. He reportedly also asked police for access to the home after the crime while pos posing as a Scotland Yard officer. Now, why would Scotland Yard be? <laughs> they have anything to do with this? Of course, Supernatural gets, you know, FBI cases. You know, <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> Sam and Dean, you know, once they're FBI agents, they can go anywhere. So, one point after a long interrogation, he eventually signed a confession detailing the crime. However, he almost immediately recanted, and the jury refused to indict him. For years, police looked into every possible scenario that could have cultivated in, a, in the Villisca X murders. Was it a single attack or part of a larger string of murders? Was it likelier to be a local perpetrator or traveling killer? Simply passing through town and taking the opportunity? Soon reports of a similar enough case happened throughout the country began to pop up. Through the crimes were not as gruesome. There were two common threads. The use of an axe as a murder weapon and the presence of an oil lamp set to burn extremely low at the scene. Despite the commonalities, however, no actual connections could be made. The case eventually ran cold and the house was barred up. No sale was ever attempted or no charges were made to the original, or no changes were made to the original layout. And just as someone told me they were from the Scotland Yard, I, I would just say, well, you're obviously freaking lost. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now the house is at the end of the quiet street, as it always has. While life goes on around it, undeterred by the horrors that once committed within. That's crazy. That's pretty messed up, right? Yeah, don't go outside, Christina, until the storm is completely passed. Yeah, I would wait, definitely. Because I know my luck. I would go outside to, to, to look. And I get hit by one of them damn tree branches. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, sourdough bread, but no. Wait, I can take my phone. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't know what to do, damn it. <laughs> it's okay. We know you love you. We love you either way. Absolutely. So on to the Axemen of New Orleans. I almost said the Battle of New Orleans. I, I wanted to sing that song. I, I thought you were going to start talking about the X-Men for, for a second. 
And have some Doritos. That's right, Jim. He gives the best advice. We'll wait there and stay inside and have some Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> or cheese puffs. Right, Freaky Geek? Well, that's the thing. Like in one of um, Chad's documentaries, he comments how the the axe murders and Amityville. Patrick was asking if, if uh, isn't that isn't that the house where the murderer hid in the the murderer hid in the attic? No, obviously not. He, no, I believe so. I believe the axe. Let me look that up. But I believe no, because it was, you said that he left the house and locked the door. Right, but before that, he was hiding in the. Well, he might have hid right after the, he killed them. No, he was like up in the attic for like a week. But I believe that's, I believe you're right, Patrick. No, Tommy, they, they, they're getting uh, uh, a hurricane going through there. Did they state which, oh, <laughs> and he's talking about Christina going to work. <laughs> she said she goes back to work Thursday, and he's like, did they state what Thursday? <laughs> God means they have to get dressed. I'm sure you can make bread in the, in the buff if you want. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. But I believe you are right. Holy crap. Patrick just says that before the murders, they thought it may be the pastor. Yeah, that was the Kelly. That's Kelly that they were talking about. The one that said that he was the Scotland Yard. Huh? What the hell is a captain? And then who's she talking? Don't be difficult, laddie. Is she talking to me? <laughs> yes, laddie. Are we all turning Scottish or what? <laughs> you, you know, I know you got this uh, uh, thing going on with the vote net. Yeah. Okay, guys, I want you to understand. It's the first time I looked at it when it popped up and it says, do you want to see me and Chaos do some freaky shit? That is just not worded right. <laughs> Jeff Ballinger. Yeah, I love him. I absolutely, he's actually one of the first people that I used to follow in the paranormal world. I love him to death. I think he's hilarious and very, very thorough in his research. <laughs> you guys are fun, I swear. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the next story we have is how Eddie gets his just never mind. <laughs> Where did you read about the that's what I was going to ask. Where did you read about the want to see? Eddie and me do some freaky. Did it, it come came, up? Yeah. It okay. Came through like your stream lab or something or whatever the hell you. Tight, tight. Oh, it was in. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Well, it should be popping up on the YouTube side. But the four four people, the first four people to click that link get free cards to make us do wacky shit. Yeah, but I get nothing. Wait, what well, it comes through is uh, Streamlabs. Is that yeah, it? but that's D Live. Well, I don't know. I... It should be coming up in YouTube. Hopefully, um, we know all how this works. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the X Men of New Orleans. See the X Men. Wolverine did it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's about it, Patrick. That's the way I feel right now. State of confusion. <laughs> yes, Patrick. I, I am confused too. For over a year, May 1918 to October 1919, the city of New Orleans, Louisiana, was a, in a frenzied panic over a roaming serial killer dubbed the X-Man. The first to succumb to the sharp blade of the X-Man was an Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio. Hi, Lisa. Thank you, Kirk. What happened? He shared, did you see, oh, I got to put it on your screen. He shared a, a GIF. It was a random GIF of people dancing. And he said, love the stream. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, he must have got a free pack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Lisa. Oh, God. I am, you know. Now he's worried. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and the more and more people use the cards, I can put, I. Yes, her. I can make different cards up. She won't tell me either. No, 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 no. We won't tell them. So if you guys have any suggestions of what cards you would like. You keep your mouth shut. <laughs> send them to Shadows of the Moons within us at Yahoo.com. Or Chaos Awaits 12. <laughs> no. No, we won't go back. Oh, great. Just oh, no. Not good, Christina. Just make sure you stay away from the windows. Yes, please be careful. Everybody, everybody going through this, be safe. So, from May 1918 to October 1919. Oh, shit. What? Patrick says, Oh, Eddie, you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Have one called. Girl, run. Girl, run. <laughs> Andy. She goes to the moon screen. I, I think Christina's confused what she's supposed to do. What do you what what are you looking for, Christina? Clear, Try now. Clearer weather, I'll bet. <laughs> And he start doing it the other way. Exactly. <laughs> we better get on with this story here. Okay. We're never going to get through it. The first to succumb to the sharp blade of the X-Men was an Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio. 
and his wife, Catherine. Oh, shit. Did you hear that? What? Kirk bought five packs. <laughs> Bullshit. No, I swear to God, it just came up on my... Where? He bought five packs of cards. I don't see any. It came up on mine. I'll have to put the code on yours. Oh, your OBS. Christ. <laughs> this oh. is going to get scary now. <laughs> How many times can a person vote? In the leaderboard, and he wanted to know. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. I don't know about the finagle, new finagle things. What finagle things? One can never have too many cards. <laughs> Five packs too many cards. <laughs> oh, that shit's funny. So it was an Italian grocer. Yes. And his wife, Catherine, on May 23rd, 1918, as they lay sleeping in the apartment above the Maggio grocery store, the killer cut the couple's throats with a straight razor before bashing their heads in with an axe. What is when law enforcement began to investigate, they found the bloody clothes of the murderer, as he obviously changed into a clean set of clothes before being, fleeing the screen. Tricky, he, says, uh, he doesn't know how to vote. He says, I tried, but don't think anything worked. You just put in whatever <coughs> you're wanting for. Like, if it's tarot reading, just put uh, uh, exclamation vote, V-O-T-E, space, tarot readings. Or whatever you want to vote on. Yeah. <laughs> what, what? There it is. Witchy days, ghost hunt, self love, game days, open panel, tarot readings. Do stupid shit. <laughs> you know. So he changed into a clean set of clothes before he left the scene. So he goes in, he slits their throat, bashes their heads in. Yes. Then changes clothes and yes. leaps. Yes. At least he looked decent. Right. Police ruled out robbery as uh, a motivation for the attacks as money and valuables left in plain sight were not stolen by the intruder. Near the couple's home, a message written in chalk reads, Mrs. Joseph Maggio will sit up tonight. Just write Mrs. Tony. Huh? It says... Um, message. No, I, I heard. Oh, okay. I know. But yeah, I know. Like It doesn't make sense. Investigators immediately questioned several people, but all were released for the lack of evidence. A little more than a month later, another couple was attacked in the early morning hours of June 27, 1918. Louis Bessemer, a grocer, and his mistress, Harriet Lowe. Apparently this guy didn't like people that owned grocery stores. That's what I'm thinking now. Lived in quarters at the back of the store. When no one opened the store in the morning, they were discovered lying in a pool of blood. Bessemer had been struck with an axe above his right temple, and Lowe was hacked over her left ear. Though badly injured, both were still alive. Once again, people were questioned, and one man arrested. I don't, I don't know if we'd be a, a hit, Patrick, because uh, all four people, well, they were owners of a grocery store, or, um, you know, like a gas station thing, or, or something right. like that. One man was arrested but was later released. Though the crime made the newspaper a bigger note, the sum was the scandal of the mistress. 
after the attack, one side of Lowe's face was partially paralyzed. In August, on August 5th, she had surgery. Sorry, this keeps jumping on me. Performed in an effort to correct it. Two days later, she died. But before she died, she before she passed, she told authorities that she suspected it was Louis Bessemer who had attacked her. How would she just spit that name out? Louis Bessemer was the grocer that was attacked with her. Then she must have been delusional. Bessemer was then charged with the murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted on May 1st, 1919, after a 10-minute jury deliberation. On August 5th, a third attack made was made on Mr. Mrs. Edward Schneider, who was eight months pregnant. As the 28-year-old lay in bed, she awoke to see a dark figure standing over her and was bashed in the face repeatedly. Who names their daughter Edward? It was Mrs. Edward. Oh, okay. I missed that part. (laughs) Shortly after midnight, she was discovered by her husband, who was just returning from work. Her scalp had been cut open and her face was completely covered in blood, but she survived the attack to give birth to a healthy baby girl two days later. One man was arrested on suspicion after releasing. Oh, I couldn't imagine because you got to push. Can you imagine oh, the hurt on your face? And everything yeah. else. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, maybe they did a C section. Maybe. I don't know. Were C sections back then? I'm, well, I'm sure they were. I don't know. Wait, you're in 1918? Yeah. They might have not have known what C sections were back then. I don't know. One man was arrested on suspicion but soon released for lack of evidence. By this time, investigators began publicly speculate that the attack was related to previous incidences involving Bassemer and Maggio. Just five days later, yet another grocer, a man named Joseph Romano, was attacked on August 10th. The elder grocer lived with his two nieces who woke to the sound of commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. The girls entered Romano's room to find that he had taken a serious blow to the head and saw the assailant was fleeing. Okay, so uh, to the question of if they knew C-section back then. Right. I'm getting better at this stuff. It (laughs) says uh, perhaps the first written record we have of a mother and baby surviving a C-section comes from Switzerland in the 1500s. Oh, okay. All right. So by that time, they hopefully should have. I just had to... Okay, Patrick said, yes, they did do it back in the cities. Okay. That, well, that's why I just went and Googled it, just to figure out how far back the... the and it's saying the 1500 and switching. Okay, so... Okay. See, that's what I like, though. I mean, like, before this, I would have never thought of even... You know what I mean? Asking that question. <laughs> See what the Eddie said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie, my nan named my mother Hagar for fuck's sake. Which sort of miserable cow calls their baby daughter a name like that? That's, I don't know. This would be around. Oh my God. I didn't say 1500 hours. The grocer, through seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, but he died two days later due to severe head trauma. The girls were able to provide a brief description of the killer, a dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and slouched hat. 
The other clues of the crime were similar to the previous ones, such as the scenes were often ransacked, but nothing was ever stolen. That the killer used the owner's hatchets and blades. So they used their own freaking tools to oh. against them. The panels of the doors or windows were chiseled away to gain entry, and that the majority of the victims were Italian. So maybe he was racist against Italians. Yeah, another in a series of murders and assaults by the X-Men created sweeping fear in the city. Police were inundated with reports from citizens claiming to have seen an X-Man lurking in neighborhoods, axes, chisels found in backyards, and doors and windows that appeared to have been tampered with. People began to carry loaded shotguns, and family members took turns watching over their families at night. I mean, this was, yeah. You know, one reported allegedly that the X-Man was masquerading as a woman. Another had seen had been seen leaping over a back fence. The people were afraid, determined to protect themselves, and boarded in on panic. But perhaps the heat generated by the terror was somehow transferred to the X-Man as the killings and assaults stopped as quick, quickly as they started. Over the months, the fears waned and the neighborhoods returned to normal until March 10th, 1919, when the Axemen struck again. Charles Corchamelia, well, I know that because I'm actually related to Corchamelias. That's my cousins. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name I know how to say. Um, <laughs> Charles Corchamelia was an immigrant and a grocer who lived with his wife, Rosie, and two two-year-old daughter Mary in the town of Gretna, just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. When screams were heard coming from the Corchamelia residence in the early morning hours, neighboring grocer, Lorando Jordan, rushed across the street to investigate. There he found that th the three had been attacked. Rosie had awakened to find her husband struggling with a large man wielding an axe. When her husband fell to the floor, the assailant turned on her as she held her daughter and begged for their lives. Undaunted, the killer slammed the axe down on both the mother and daughter. When the neighbors arrived, Charles lay in a pool of blood in the floor. Rosie stood in the doorway to, with a serious head wound, clutching her deceased daughter. The couple was rushed to the hospital where both were treated for skull fractures. Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in the care of the doctors. Patrick says, uh, it makes me wonder if it was getting rid of the competition. Because they all seem to be grocers. Yeah. Upon gaining full consciousness, Rosie stated that the attack was made by the neighboring grocer, Lorlando Giordano, and his 18-year-old son, Frank. Lorlando, that's just a name. I, Lorlando. A 69-year-old man was too poor a house to have committed the crime, and Frank Giordano was too big to have fit through the panel in the back door. The pair were arrested. Even though they, they can't prove. <laughs> through Charles Corchamelia denied his wife's claims, the Giordanos were charged with the murders and both later found guilty. Frank was sentenced to hang and his father life to prison. After the trials, Charles divorced his wife about a year a year later, Rose Corchamelia reversed her claim, stating that she had falsely accused the two of jealousy and spite. With their claim being the only evidence against the Giordanos, they were released from jail shortly thereafter. Well, thank God she said it before the dude got hung. Yeah, well, it, that's kind of like uh, the OJ trial. 
If you don't fit, you got to hit wit. <laughs> Following the Corpshamelia murders, New Orleans was again filled with terror and once again began to arm themselves. The police stated that they believed all crimes to have been committed by the same man, a bloodthirsty maniac filled with passion for human slaughter. Then a new twist came upon the scene when the Times-Picayune newspaper <laughs> received a taunting letter in March 14, 1919. They promised another attack. Hell, March 13, 1919. Esteemed mortal. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleans and your foolish police. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you, that? Hexstar, for the follow. Welcome. Now I'm yelling because of music. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't mean to yell at you guys, sorry. But thank you for the follow. Well, Welcome. If, if they can hear the music, to them it probably didn't sound so loud. Right. But to me... Yeah. <laughs> um, I am you, what you are, Lenians, and your foolish police call the X-Men. When I see fit, I shall come in and claim other victims. I alone know whom shall they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe. What? <laughs> Sorry, we're, we are only an English-speaking channel. You know what's funny, though, is they're, uh, they got a wrench. They don't have a wrench. It's showing blue on mine. Because it's Restream Bot in YouTube, honey. Why is it? That don't make sense. Restream Bot has to have a wrench. Oh. But they don't. But they do. I thought this, I already had that. Yeah, well, I haven't seen that come up in a long time. That says English speaking room only. It may, I, oh, it should still come up. I haven't seen that in days. I'm pressing buttons. I shouldn't be pressing. Only English, please. Sorry. I mean, we're glad you're here. You learn something every day. It just doesn't mean I'm going to still know how to say it. Right. <laughs> All right. So. Oh, he doesn't know what we're saying. That's what uh, easy means. So they, they think all these murders were by the same guy. Right. That somebody thought it was parading around as a woman. And then it happened to be this big guy. Right. Well, it, I'm not done with the, the letter that they received. The reason why I'm... Okay. Go ahead. Because I'm, I'm kind of doing like a, a little back investigation here. Right. How can anybody say that it was a... The woman said it was a bigger guy that her husband was struggling with. But she recanted that. She died. No, she didn't. Remember, I thought that's the, the action was brought down on her and her daughter. No, they didn't. Well, her daughter died. She didn't. She's the one that said that it was that two, the two that uh, was in jail and hit, was going to hang. It, it, it's okay if you don't know a lot of English. It's that's okay. You're still welcome here. Honey. Absolutely, no it, problem. 
maybe I was getting the two situations mixed up. Yeah. So, um, when I when I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know who they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains, as he whom I have sent below to keep me company. So apparently he's smart enough to wear gloves. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense in as the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as not only to amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it was better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the X-Men. I Let me, uh, just real quick, uh, me and Shadows, I uh, want to say thank you to everybody in the room for being understanding and not giving Hextar uh, a really hard time. Yes, thank you guys. Life is good. Thank you, Hextar, for asking. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I know. I thought I thought about it after I said it. I'm like, mm. Yeah. Okay, so. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody's welcome. Um, so I don't think there is any need of such warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible monster, which I am, but I could be much more worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could play, pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens. For I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, March 19th, 1919, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition for you people. And here it is. Hi, Mittens. Hey, Mittens. How you doing, hon? I am very fond of jazz music. This is weird, right? Hold on. Um, can you mute real quick? I'm... Okay, so here is what he wants, this little proposition, right? I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the neither regions that every person shall be spared, in whose home a jazz band is at full swing at the time. I, at the time I had just mentioned. If anyone has a jazz band going on, well, then so much better for you people. No, Freaky, I mean, Patrick, you think we're buffering? Because of that, it's no. I had Missy uh, mute the mic for a minute. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it up on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I'm cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it's, it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse. 
hoping that thou will publish this, that may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. fancy. Since you think he is uh, uh, the, the Grim Reaper? No, he's saying he's a demon. Well, what the hell do you think the Grim Reaper is? The Grim Reaper is not a demon. <laughs> he's just doing his job. Yes, That's... we're we're understanding what you're what you're typing. We all learn how to read Taiwanese. We're an older group here. I'm 46. He's almost 50. Yep. Uh, real close. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mittens. By the way, are you still here, hon? Before I go on. Uh, no, Patrick's saying we're buffering. Huh, that's weird. Because everything looks fine on my end. Are we buffering to anybody else? How about the YouTube side? Is that buffering? Patrick's on D Live. Mitten's still here. So it's not so funny. End. I want. It, it must be going through D Live because Jim says uh, not on my end. And, okay. And he's on the YouTube. <laughs> um, I wanted to show you real quick that, you know, I, I went back and watched your video. It's so funny that you, <laughs> that's what that is. That is so cool. And you, your ones that you make are so pretty. Um, But I do have one. I bought one a long time ago. It's actually my store. I sell them, but not, not like yours. Yours are beautiful. I can't get it up. It's not holding right. That just sounded completely wrong. Did it sound completely wrong? Yes, you can't get it up because you can't hold it right. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you can see that. Kinda. Hold on. But you're kind of blurry. All right. Give me a second. Well, hi, Beach Bunny oh, GT. Put that down again, damn it. <laughs> but I, I saw the video. I'm like, oh, I know what she's talking about now. <laughs> and the funny part is, is when, when she did that and first brought it out, it, I actually got it. I, I, I made a move. Yeah, um, yeah that's. We got a Beach Bunny over there on D-Live. Hey, Beach Bunny, how are you? Welcome. No buffering, Patrick, try them. Um... Try maybe refreshing. Yes, that's my my spaceship, freaky geek. Yeah, she uh, takes off on that every day when the show ends. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick wants uh, wants to know what it is. It's um basically well, it can be used for a couple different things. Like I have a plastic. This actually I bought. Not beach bum, beach bunny. <laughs> I actually bought this to place over it, a big plastic, my candy dish, but um, I to place over it so people knew that it wasn't like the wind or whatnot. You can set them up for spirit communication where it just, it just basically, you know, it dangles there. And if it moves, you know, could be a spirit moving up. Okay, Patrick. Patrick's going to go uh, refresh. refresh. Okay. And also, you can train your mind to, it's kind of help you uh, move it, like, not um, telepathy. Well, it's it kind of, uh, 
what is it called? Like kinetic energy? Kind of, yeah. Where you can move it with your mind. It's to practice that on, that kind of thing. And then, and like I said, I, I actually got it to start spinning. Yeah. Yeah, I had to, I forget who said it, but I had to correct him. They said, hi, beach bum. Oh. <laughs> no, it's beach bunny. <laughs> some of you guys are on, on DLive. Some are on YouTube. Some are on Trouble. Welcome back, Patrick. Welcome back. Telekinesis, yes. Thank you. Holy Thank crap, you. that Thank came you. from Freaky Geeky. I know. <laughs> See, he knows more than he lets on. <laughs> Teletubbies. <laughs> Teletubbies, yes, that's it. See? That's so funny you said that because I was going to do one of my alerts as a Teletubby thing. Oh, God. But I know it would have, well, that's why I was going to do it. We need I Blue's do. Clues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what, what story do we have coming up? Well, I'm not done with this one. Oh, I thought we were. I thought we were already done. No, because he sent that into the right. The, 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 his letter. Or to, no, yeah, to or the no. paper saying that he wanted jazz music played. Whoever had jazz music playing was it, saved. Well, he said he might yeah. spare their life. So, put, per the killer's statement that no one was listening to jazz on March 19th would get the axe. Hi, Trina. Hey, Trina. Oh, that's that's blue. <laughs> oh, is that y'all? Duh. I think. Maybe not. I don't know. Is it Fulmer? Yes. Is that blue? Yes, that's blue. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She likes confusing everybody. Yeah, well, I live in that state. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the music flowed from homes across much of the city. Dance halls were filled to capacity, and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses around town, and no one was killed. For several weeks, all was quiet, but people still lived in fear. On August 10th, 1919, another grocer named Stephen Boca was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his head. Suffering from a blow from an axe, he survived, and upon regaining consciousness, he ran to the home of his nature, Frank Janisa, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. He was just treated for his injuries but was unable to remember the details of the attack. Like others who had been assailed by the X-Men, nothing was taken from the home, and the panel on the back door at the home had been chiseled away. On September 2nd, a local druggist named William Carson escaped the lethal X-Men when he fired several shots at the intruder who broke into his home. The killer left a broken door and the axe behind. On September 3rd, 1919, a young girl named Sarah Lawman was attacked with an axe while she slept in her locked and shuttered home. When neighbors came to check on the young woman who lived alone, they discovered her lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from severe head injury and missing several teeth. Though she suffered from a brain concussion, she recovered. A bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Once again, New Orleans was in a state of hysteria, but nothing more could be heard from the X-Men for nearly two months. The last attack came on October 27th, 1919, when Grocer. It definitely is competition. Well, you got to figure maybe they they didn't hear anything for two months because it sounds like he spends an awful lot of money because he leaves an axe behind every murder. Right, right. <laughs> the last, when Grocer Mike Pettitone was slain, that night his wife heard a noise and arrived at the door of the bedroom just as a large axe-welding man 
was fleeing the scene. Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. His murderer left his characteristics. His murder left his characteristics of the killer. The usual clues had been left behind. The authorities continued work on the case, but it would be in vain. Pepitone's murder was the last known of the X-Men killer. He was never seen or heard of again in New Orleans. Hmm. Maybe he makes the axe and that's what takes so long. That's well, true. That, that, that's a good point. Maybe it's like a ritualistic thing. You know what I mean? But yeah. That could be, Andy. I don't know how that worked back then. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Lisa, you're right. What an evil person. Should that not be leaving a calling card? Well, it's definitely a calling card. But it, it, they never were to get able to get any kind of no clue no from it yeah so i wonder if he either moved away or he died or i bet he died was he a demon you sure the hell believed he was well he believed he was the worst kind of demon yeah that's just, i mean your your cam your camera is blinking completely out it? Yeah, you went gray screen for a second. Is that better? Yeah. The Jack Ripper on holiday in the U.S. That could be. Hey, why not? Because Isn't in, he buried in New York? One of the suspects, yes, is buried in Rochester, New York. Mount Sep I think he's he's not in Mount Hope. He's in Mount Sepulchre. No, it was the one right across from where I got my teeth in that done. Yeah. I thought that was Mount Hope. Well, yeah, that's Mount Hope. But I don't think that's where he is. Well, no, Mount where, Hope is where he is. Jesus. That, that, holy Christ, I'm not from New York. <laughs> What's the matter? You, you got mad. No, I didn't get mad. No, what? I was reading. That's true, Ron. Lots of demons in New York. Um, was Jack the Ripper active at the time or much sooner? Um, Jack the Ripper. That's a good question. Well, that could have been too, Christina. Uh, she says he might have moved away to another town to not get caught. 1888. And it's funny she says that because he, remember in that letter, he says, I can come into your town every night. Right. So he wasn't even from that town. Right. Yeah. 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 Jack the Ripper, 1888 to 1891. So that was way before this happened. That's but, true too, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, freaky. It was uh, 1800s. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 1888 doesn't mean you can't get on your damn horse and go somewhere else. Hey, especially for those who believe in the paranormal, there are uh, portals, time travel. Right. And, of, of course, he'd have all availability to that because he was a demon. Exactly. Um, maybe the killer stopped because his axe juggling act went slightly wrong. <laughs> Could be. Could very well be. It's crazy, though, right? There's so many different scenarios that uh, why it ended. 
But it was weird that they're all grocers that got attacked, and most of them were Italian. He ran out of stores to do his bidding. Right, Lisa? Yeah, he ran out of store. Yeah. I wonder if we can go back and uh, Google uh, people that died within the time that that just stopped. And see if there's more that could be a... Somebody that they can pull it down to, like maybe somebody got hit by a car. Right, I get what you're saying, yeah. Maybe he he had out for those people, and when he finished getting those people, he's finished. And you know what? Why why go and tell everybody, play jazz, and you won't get killed? Or or, uh, maybe these were people that he went to for a loan or something? Yeah, they said, yeah, because he's very, Patrick, you're right. They say, that, oh, that could be, honey. I just realized what you said. They said that Jack the Ripper may have escaped to the U.S., guys. Yes, actually, he, um, I've seen his, what could be, if it is Jack the Ripper, one of the suspects is married in Mount Hope Cemetery um, in Rochester, New York. I've been to his grave. If it's, well, I've been if, to If it's actually Jack the Ripper. Yeah. But I'm, I'm That's pretty right, sure. Jim. Maybe he had some Doritos and chilled out. Yeah, hey. Hey. <laughs> but like, uh, maybe these were people that he went to to get a, a loan to help get a store started or something. Right. And no, they refused Mount them. Huh? Mount Septico. I know it's going to bug me now. Yeah, it was uh, 1888 to, what did you say, 1891? Yeah. Uh, New York, I may have to go visit that grave. We don't know if it's actually Jack the Ripper, though. They're they're not even 100% sure. Yeah, Dr. Tumblety. Oh, he's in Riverside Cemetery, which is right next to Mount Hope. So we consider it like... Well, yeah, because it's a fence separates the two. Yeah. I find it odd that the Ripper's suspected ID was reclassified for another 50 years after it was supposed to be revealed at the turn of the century. I also find it odd that after all this time, um, why the authorities need to keep that ID hidden from the public. Yeah, I, I think what they're worried about is somebody trying to exhume the grave. Mm. Could be. I think that's why they, they try to keep it hidden. That's true, Lisa. I mean, that's you think about it, yeah, because they want their five minutes of fame or whatnot. Yeah. And so, you know, why give it to them? You know? That's and then true. they can die being mad because they're like never got the recognition that they want. Uh, the, the crimes took place at the turn of the century pretty close to it. What was it? 1918? 1918 to 1919. I wonder yeah. that too. Yeah, Andy, I read that too. Yeah. Whoa. I, yeah, copycatting the murders. Yeah, they got worried. I believe there was a copycat at one point. Yeah, but I think that he was he was caught like quick. Yeah. But keeping uh, uh, the site of where Jackson River is buried, I, I don't see how that would create a copycat. You know, if you're going to copycat somebody. No, I, well, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You, you would think they'd like uh, when uh, Jeffrey Dahmer went to prison and then all of a sudden somebody's trying to copycat him. 
but he was still alive. Or the Zodiac Killer. Yes. Yeah. Definitely, you know. That's, that's true, right? That's pretty wild. I just want to say hi to everybody that's listening. Feel free to jump in in the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't already, definitely. I hope we didn't run that hectar off. But I hope not either. Almost all the case details have been public knowledge for ages. Just a suspect ID of the perp. They, I, I don't even really think they knew exactly who it was. They had so many suspects that it's not even funny. And then you get, you know, people who want their fame admitting that it was them, mm-hmm. but it wasn't them. <laughs> I mean, now you have this you've been working on. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, only you. Well, no, because earlier. No, yeah. No, Hector earlier said my English is low, and Freaky Geek made a comment about get high in your English or smoke weed in your English will be high. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Patrick. Jack the Ripper would still be alive. I know some. When was the accident? There was murders. Oh, no, I think that what they were trying to say, H.H. Holmes, was Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper would still be alive at the, at that time. They say he was a young man. Nicole brought up some good stuff right there, too. The 1896. Yeah, I know they, yeah, they thought H.H. Holmes was a suspect. As well, I well, I know um his nephew or his grandson um oh crap what the hell was that what'd you hear I went there was a shadow that just came over us oh really I never know did you guys see it probably not oh God I can't think it was um. You guys are being a, so mean towards Christina. <laughs> what happened? Because just Jim, when I said I hope we didn't run that hectare off, he says, uh, what do you think right here? He says, we won't bite, but Christina might. And then, and then he says, Christina only bites if you ask really nice. <laughs> <laughs> No. Was that somebody knocking? No, that was uh, my leg on my chair. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we're hearing. Not what that was. That was like really strange. Oh, uh, I thought you would. Did you guys see a shout? Probably not. Did, did, did it look like the light uh, through my camera kind of dimmed out a little? Yeah, they say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leg. All right, I didn't lose my mind. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay, so. Where do we go from here? We are talking Bobby Dunbar. Okay, the boy who vanished and came back as a new child. Reincarnation. No. Bobby Dunbar vanished in 1912. His reappearance would lead to a custody battle, a a possibly wrongly convicted man, and an incredible DNA test 90 years later. Freaky said he didn't see it there. 
So this is <laughs> sorry, Patrick says I can't bite, but I can gum you. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> this, is, this is Bobby Dunbar. Which one? What they? Uh, hold on, I gotta. Oh. Okay, so it's the kid. Yeah. Okay. So as a young child goes missing, the whole country starts looking for him. And eventually the family gets him back, only to realize that he wasn't his kid after all. Well, where'd he go? What? Well, listen. <laughs> no one... No, this isn't the invasion of the body snatchers or an episode of the Twilight Zone, but it's an actual event that happened in Louisiana in 1912 to the Dunbar family. And in the end, the truth was stranger than fiction. Bobby Dunbar goes missing. On August 23rd, 1912, the Dunbars went on a day trip to Swazie Lake in Louisiana. As the family played in the water, suddenly little Bobby, only four years old, disappeared. Leslie and Percy Dunbar searched everywhere for their boy, but were forced to call the authorities after their search turned up nothing. I think I've heard of this story before. There was, there's a couple of them. The local, local police and eventually the state police began a stat, <laughs> statewide manhunt for the boy. They caught and dissected alligators, threw dynamite into the lake, hoping it would eject the body from the water. None of their efforts turned up a body. So they thought maybe he had drowned. Right. Then eight months after Bobby's disappearance, the Dunbars received good news. A boy matching Bobby's description had been found in Mississippi. A man named William Cantle Walters, a traveling handyman, had been seen with the boy. When authorities caught up with him, he claimed the boy was Charles Bruce Anderson, the illegitimate child of his brother and a woman who worked for his family named Julia Anderson. He claimed that the boy, who, who he referred to as Bruce, had been left in his care by Julia while she left to go to work. Many residents of the town backed Winter's story up, but the police still arrested him and took the boy into the custody. So they think that he had kidnapped him or something. Right. But everybody else says, no, this woman dropped this child off. Okay. The initial reunion between the boy and the Dunbars remain disputed to this day. I am listening, Beats Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Because you see where she put, well, listen. <laughs> see, they know. Shut up. <laughs> the initial reunion between the boy and the Dunbars remains disputed to this day. One newspaper claims it was joyful and that the boy instantly shouted, Mother, upon seeing Lussie. Other accounts claim that both Lussie and Percy Dunbar were hesitant to confirm that the boy was Bobby. The next day, after taking the boy home for the night and bathing him, Leslie Dunbar said she had positively identified moles and scars on his body that confirmed he was her son. The police then allowed the Dunbars to take little Bobby back home. However, a few days after Dunbars had taken Bobby home, Julie Anderson herself showed up, backing up Walter's claim that the boy was her son. So now this is the woman that originally dropped him off with at with this Mr. Walters, yes. And then went to work. Yes. Okay. She said that she had allowed Walters to watch him for a few days while she looked for work. And that those few days had turned into months when she hadn't been able to find any. The police then called the Dunbars back, requesting that Bobby be a part of a lineup to see if Julia could correctly identify him. She couldn't. 
Hold on. Julia couldn't identify him? Right. Julia couldn't identify her son, basically. Okay. I, I'm, like, really freaking confused. She said she couldn't. She asked whether he was the boy who had been found, but when she wasn't given an answer, she admitted that, that she was unsure. However, she returned the next day, claiming that she was, in fact, confident that the boy's identity identity as Bobby Dunbar was actually her son, Bruce. So, so she recanted that. This kid's name changed. Well, no, she calls him Bruce because that's what she named him. That's what I'm saying. But the other people are calling him Bobby. You know what? It, it damn sure sounds like it, Andy. A Mandela movement. Moment. Not right. Moment. However, she returned the next day claiming that she was, in fact, confident that the boy identified as Bobby Dunbar was actually her son, Bruce. News had already spread, though, that she had been hesitant the day before and that the boy was living comfortably with the Dunbars. The courts now, were now the Dunbars is the one that their son went originally missing. had the, the the boy that went missing, right? Yes. The courts were hesitant to bring the case back up. Unable to pay for a court battle anyhow, Anderson returned to her home in North Carolina, leaving the boy with the Dunbars. Excuse me, life with the Dunbars and the fatal conviction. Those that's the two boys. They don't look alike. They, they, they don't even close to looking alike. This is the real Bobby Dunbar, and this is the boy found with William Walters. Okay, so the one on the right yeah. is the one that was dropped off by right. Julia. Right, yes. But which kid went back to the Dunbars, the one on the left? This one. This is the real Bobby Dunbar. This is the one that went missing. Right, that's what I'm saying. It, and But this is the child that was found that Julia had dropped off. Right. They don't even look alike. Wow. That, that got scary for a second. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't look anything alike. At this point, the Dunbars were fully confident that the child was Bobby. He had returned home and acclimated well, was playing with his brothers, and showed sign of remembering things in the house. Because of this, Walter was convicted of kidnapping and spent two years in prison for his crime before his attorney appealed. Due to the cost of the first trial, the court declined to try him again instead of releasing him. Until the end of his life, he maintained his innocence in the case. Well, you know what? I'd fire the damn lawyer anyways. You're going to make me sit here for two years before you appeal? Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Beach Bunny. Yeah, it's it's definitely... I. I mean, I can see the chubbiness, the eyes kind of being chubby, no. but I mean, but I, still, I'm going to know my own kids. Like if you put, exactly. if you put Ryan or Danielle or Taylor up against somebody that's supposedly. Well, that's like when uh, my son came to, to visit me in Florida and I went. That's cheating because he's your twin. But I went to the air. I haven't seen him in how long? Right. I but the minute I get to the airport and look up, I'm like, that's my boy right there. <laughs> And we do, uh, there's a picture where everybody thinks it's my brother. Yeah. And he's actually my kid. And he's almost 20 years younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I'm going to, you know, one in my, I'm going to know my kids. 
By now, it seemed that everything was well and good. Bobby had reunited with his family and was adjusting well. But Bruce he, is nowhere to be found now. He grew up. Bruce is with them. They I never found the real Bobby. Bobby. No. What oh. are you confused about? Oh, my God. The whole goddamn story is confusing. <laughs> so Bobby was the Dunbar's kid, right? Yes. Goes he missing. Went, he went missing. Okay. Now, this is Julia drops off this kid named Bruce. Right? Yes. Okay. So now, the Dunbars get Bobby back. They get this Bruce. That, that they that get this Bobby. What I'm trying to figure out who the fuck you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh Damn, you poor kid looks well old before his time. No, not like no, this was years ago, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she was worried about someone in her family. That, that, yeah. yeah. That that could be. No mother isn't sure who her kid is. That is ridiculous. You're absolutely yeah. right, Scoots. So he was adjusting well. He grew up and got married, eventually having four children of his own before his death in 1966. Though he had been told at the events that happened during his childhood, family members reencountered that he'd always maintained that he knew who he was and that he was Bobby Dunbar. Andy, and, and Bruce's mom never reported him missing. This, this gets more and more confusing with the question. No, Bruce's mom, no, because they took Bruce away from their... No, they, they took him away from the guy. Right, but for, that's why Julia came down. Julia was Bruce's mother. Okay, exactly. But if she dropped him off and she went to work, right. who the hell reported that this kid is that Bobby Bruce is with this guy? Some one of the cops said that they a uh, kid matching the description was up in. Well, then that cop needs eye in an eye exam. <laughs> yeah, who's on first? Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, this is a good story, though. I mean, it's totally twisted. Okay, keep going. Okay. Then in 2004, Bob Dunbar Jr., this is going to be Bobby Bruce's son. <laughs> I just confused the point. I am freaking completely lost. <laughs> son of Bobby Dunbar. Okay. Consented to a DNA test. Because remember, back then, they didn't have the, the, the son of Bobby? Yes. Bobby slash Bruce. The, the, okay. I think I'm, I'm, I'm catching up. His daughter, Margaret Dunbar Cartwright, had been investigating the events and wanted to prove once and for all that her grandfather was Bobby Dunbar. The DNA from Bob Dunbar Jr. was compared to the DNA from his cousin, Hold on. Just, Jim, you, you think you're following all this to a T? <laughs> well, ben, we got another case after this, but I don't know if I should share it with him. He's not going to get that one either. I, I, I mean, I'm starting to understand this. <laughs> right, no, no. But it's like, uh, so, you can't report a boy missing when police take him as somebody else. <laughs> The DNA from Bobby Dunbar Jr. was compared to the DNA 
from his cousin, the son of Bobby Dunbar's younger brother. So this Bobby Dunbar slash Bruce right. had son, a son. Right. Had a daughter. No. Then whose daughter was investigating? Bobby Jr. So she Bruce wanted Bobby. to prove her grandfather is Bruce. So Bruce Bobby. Bruce Bobby. Yeah. Had a son. Right. That had a daughter. Yes. You got it. Look at me freaking go. <laughs> Ready? Do you want the test results? Oh, shit. Okay. The test was conclusive. Bob Dunbar Jr. was not blood related to any of the Dunbar family. So it was Bruce. Yes. The boy Dunbar's had claimed as Bobby Dunbar for all those years was, in fact, Bruce. Son of Julia Anderson. But how can Julia Anderson not identify her own kid? I don't know. The Anderson family was thrilled as they felt the test vindicated their claims. The Walter family as well was overjoyed as the evidence exonerated the kidnapping claim against William. Screw you, Andy. <laughs> Did you see what you said? Having sorted that out, why the fuck is this, what is the fucking story again? Yeah. As for the real Bobby Dunbar, his fate is still unknown. Margaret believes that the fell, the child fell into the lake and either drowned or was eaten by an alligator. It just, Jim, that's exactly what's going on. This Bobby slash Bruce. They did have the wrong kid. That went back to the Dunbars that they said, yes, it's our child. <laughs> right. Wasn't their child. It was uh, this Julia's child. Yes. But Julia couldn't identify her own kid. That's what's... I wonder if there... Yeah, there was a scandal in their family or something. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> Freaky geese. It's a nice comeback. Eddie Gibson, screw you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities claim that they had found footprints leading away from the lake and that they heard claims from locals that a suspicious-looking man had been seen carrying them away. But the rumors oh. were never confirmed. The mystery still remains unsolved to this day. That just, it just, it, it's totally amazing. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe I actually caught on. <laughs> Your son comes up missing. This guy goes to prison <laughs> for kidnapping. He's trying to figure it out. And he didn't kidnap anybody because this woman dropped her son off. And then they return this kid to the dumb bars to find out that after we could get that off the camera like that. <laughs> <laughs> to figure out later. Thank you, Patrick, for the love. That he had a kid, Bobby Jr., and then he had a daughter, and he wasn't even a dumb bar. Wow, I need to go get high. <laughs> Thank you for the lemons, Patrick. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Right, Scoop, that's what I'm thinking because I believe she was she had an illegitimate child with Walter's one of Walter's family members who she worked for. Who? Julia. That's where Bruce came into. <laughs> we won't go in there. It's going to screw you up no matter no, what. No, because I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out why Julia couldn't recognize her own kid. 
I mean, you look she at... She had been gone for months. You look at the... Oh, my kid was gone for years and I know who he was. <laughs> you cheated. He's your twin. <laughs> oh, Lord. I need aspirin. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Dearly shit. Nearly shut myself. That's what I said. I, I read that to you. Do you need more coffee? Who? They tried covering something up by re, return. They didn't return the right kid. That, that's the thing. No, I think Bobby probably drowned or got. Well, they, it's what Eddie back then. Food was sh short, and she went and sold her kid to be eaten. Uh, I don't think they live in Cambodia. <laughs> But they didn't return the right kid. But it took them years to find that out. Right, because there's no DNA. So they like raised that. this kid that wasn't their kid, thinking it was their kid. But you look at the two in a photo, they I don't know. look anything alike. Maybe it was a payoff. I know, Patrick. I don't know. Someone else's son, she would not want to admit it, so she said it wasn't her son. That could be because it was like ah uh, maybe she kidnapped Bruce from another family oh, and it was like oh shit they found him I ain't getting involved in it I said kidnapped <laughs> or rat <laughs> we still have that it. could be beach bum or be see thanks sorry I'm so sorry <laughs> oh my god I'm so confused about what's going on right now it's not even funny beach bunny I'm so sorry and I spit. That's beautiful. Oh, Lori, this is how dumb conspiracy theories start. <laughs> Imaginary kid. Well, yeah, that's. I think that's what it is, Beach Bunny. Honestly, is I think because it was such a scandal back then of the infidelity. Like, I guess she worked for this family, got pregnant by one of the family members, and that's where this kid came from. So, like, I think that's got, not where the kid came from. <laughs> <laughs> so I think she got fired from that job. That's why she had to go look for work. But, which but no, took she, months. Because it says that she dropped the kid off to go to work, not to look for work. But then it said that she was trying to find work and it took months to. So uh -oh. cops coming down the street with fire engines. We're going to have to try to get on the front of my house because God knows maybe there's something wrong there and maybe the. Oh my God, Christina. Okay, Christina. Be safe. Yes, be safe, please. Yes, just do it does. It's, a, it's something. Please be safe, Christina. Absolutely, and, and keep us updated. Yeah, definitely keep us updated. I know Jim had to go there. What somebody was gonna go there, Scoop. You know that. You know this chat. Especially when I was already getting confused. Uh, <laughs> Here, watch this. We're gonna screw with chaos. <laughs> no one I'm catching like a head cold or something. So my mind is Oh, he's gonna blame it on this. Guy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Female I got rid of earlier this year. <laughs> Uh-oh. Scoops is voting for tarot readings. <laughs> I told you that was going to be coming. I know. I know. I should be psychic. <laughs> <laughs> God. 
because I, I, you know, here's another psychic. It prediction. is a bizarre story. Shadows thinks I'm, I'm nuts. <laughs> that's my, that's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I already know that. Nine years. Beach money. That 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 is. I mean, wow. That takes a lot to actually follow. To understand Bruce, Bobby, and, and Bobby was actually Bruce. Bruce wasn't their kid. It, it, was, it gets fucking whatever. And this and more from Shadows of the Moons with a little chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a love someone I can't be. Thank you, Ron. That means a lot. Uh, what happened? Oh, shit. This is very close. Absolutely. She is. Uh, when she really started getting into tarot readings, she did one for me, and it was like I, I just sat here in complete awe. Freaky Bruce was Bobby, but of, Bobby wasn't Bruce. Freaky Geek, that's a, a song off of exactly, Jim. There you go. Bruce was Bobby, but Bobby wasn't Bruce. Yeah, because <laughs> Bobby was never found. <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm not even good. At, we're going to end this show because I'm not even getting into this one. We'll be here for another three hours trying to figure out this one because this is basically not the same thing, but close enough. to. Hell, it. yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> Nobody's played that card yet for oh. another hour. Oh. <laughs> Bobby was Gator Lunch. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Confuse him some more, guys. Confuse him some more. <laughs> oh, our body was Bruce, but Bruce wasn't. Right. <laughs> He's gonna be dreaming about this night. It's a great result when my kids called them sit down and shut up. Scoops, that is my oldest daughter actually made us sit down and watch that. Remember yeah. when I saw the changeling? Yeah, that, that, that was messed that up. was freaky. <laughs> that was totally messed up. <laughs> Uh, and he will be up all night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen. Beach He's going to be sitting saying, in the chair. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to see him going, Bobby was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know it. Beach Bunny's going, okay, next story. <laughs> I, I think she wants to see me even more confused. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, that'll be next week. Yeah. It's 11.50. So, do you have somewhere to go? I know, Lisa. Yes. Where? To smoke. Psst, shut up. Yeah, he was definitely scooped. I know, Lisa. That's a, the, the only thing that sucks about I like doing these stories, but the thing that sucks is most As of I talk them, too much. She'll tell well, you that. Um, that's just a gimme. Um, no. <laughs> that most of them do have not so good endings. You know what I mean? And it sucks. Or, or weird endings. Yeah, yeah. To Bruce or not to Bruce? That it, well, it wasn't Bruce. It wasn't Bobby. That's the question, <laughs> said Bobby. Yes, exactly, Nicole. She wanted to go crazy. I'm the one making her crazy. <laughs> you see these grays? They ain't from me. I used to have like a, a blondish red goatee. Until about nine years ago. <laughs> the, I got a headache from this. I don't <laughs> Bruce Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> too Bobby, not to Bobby. 
Oh my God. <laughs> our show is gonna get I thrown. love you guys so much. You guys make our plan. show our show is gonna get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I gotta get head on over to D Live, guys. No, we got nine minutes. Shut up. Who's the one that you're rushing me this morning? The kid's name is Broby. <laughs> Broby, there you go. Right? Name of so, yeah. Wouldn't it be Broby? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be Bobby's girl. What? No, I don't think that's the name of the song. I thought it was Jesse's girl. <laughs> Hello. Who is what woman? <laughs> Oh, you guys are something else. Grubby. <laughs> rushing me, Andy. Rushing. Not washing. Grubby. <laughs> Grubby, there you go. I said that. Oh, did you say that? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Patrick. You are awesome. You guys are all. Oh, awesome. you guys are awesome. I love hanging with you guys every single day. I really do. You guys make me laugh so much. But yeah, we still say stay serious on topic. You know what I mean? That's what's so cool. Yeah, we'll go through our couple of minutes of joking around and then yeah. get back into the serial. I absolutely, absolutely love it. You know. And that's the thing. Andy says he ain't got no glasses on, so he can't hear us properly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like I, I, I hear colors. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't pressed it yet, Freaky Geek. Are you rushing me now, too? Well, <laughs> oh, he wants his damn lemons. <laughs> he's, like, excited. He's like, I know how to work it now. <laughs> yeah, he's been on the list three times. <laughs> All right, guys, start hyping up chat over there. All right, guys, you know, it's time. Fist bumps, hugs, stay safe, stay strong, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a wonderful day, everybody. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm pressing the buttons. Here we go. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Hit it, hit it, hurry. Hit it, hit it. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the stories today. And when I'm saying hit it, I mean hit the chest. Not hit it. Hit it you know, you, you know. <laughs> Bobby, Bruce, you know, just smack it. <laughs> Thank you guys all so much for coming and being here. I love it. I love you guys so much. Yes, and pray for Christina and yes. everybody that's affected by the storms. Absolutely. All right. Freaky Geek got on the list again. We have Patrick with 66.0 lemons, Beach Bunny with 38.3, Ron with 28.0, Sid with 22.4, and Freaky Geek with 18.9. If you guys are in the chat and you got more lemons, let me know. I hope you guys had a wonderful time. I hope we made you laugh. I hope we made you smile. I, I, Thank I, you, Andy. I, I really can't get to the front of my house. I don't know what's going on. I'm assuming it's something to do with the neighbors. All right, Christina. Well, keep us updated, hon. Absolutely. Oh, you're very welcome, Beach Bunny, for the lemons. Definitely. Well, you got some lemons. At least you got on the list. Hey, this is the fourth <laughs> time, Freaky. You're doing great. 
<laughs> yes, I know, Andy. I know you're on there though. Well, thank you for the ice cream there, Freaky. Thank you so much for the ice cream, Freaky V. Are you... Oh, thank you, you Beach Bunny. Cream, Beach Bunny. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed the stories. Yeah, you're on there, Andy. What are you worried about? Oh, Patrick, no, you guys make it so much fun. You got some scoop? That's good. Awesome. Very cool. I'm glad you did. So now I can't wait for... Love you, uh, Christina. I can't wait for these uh, cards to start hitting us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Again, if you get cards, <laughs> there is a link and that's coming up in chat. Who I don't knows? like Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, oh, Sid. Thank you, Sid. See how, yeah, see how wonderful these people are. I know. These guys are great. We have the best group of people, I'm telling you. But we absolutely. Really a, a lot of love and prayers to yes. Christina and everybody involved in this storm. Um, please keep us updated. Let us know uh, you guys are all safe. and uh, Definitely. Of course. You guys are always... Uh, no, Patrick. It's not going to be fun. I'm telling you. I can't <laughs> wait till these cards rip out. I don't even know what half of them are. I really don't. It, well, it, it's a random thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it could be an hour-long stream. Some of it could be doing with my gaming. Some of it could be, uh, I, it's crazy. So there, we might be doing shows here where I won't even be co-host. Right. Thank you, Patrick, Thank for you, the Patrick. ice cream. I appreciate it. We appreciate it so much. You see, she can't get that eye shit out of her head. I know. It's Bobby and Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have an awesome day. Take care. Be safe. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about, of course, it's What If Wednesdays. We're going to be talking about glitches in the Matrix and a bunch of glitches in the Matrix. And if doppelgangers are a part of that. Part of what? Glitches in the Matrix. It would, well, they could be. So, with that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Take care. Be safe. And make sure you find something that makes you smile with your eyes. I might just go live later on just for the hell of it. Just sit around and chit-chat. All right. Well, make sure you're following chaos over there. Because I want to make sure that, uh, you know, Christina and all them are fine. That way they can keep us updated. I try to keep it interesting, Beach Bunny. <laughs> I try. Scoops is more than one of me. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right, guys. Take care. Be safe. And we'll see you tomorrow. I love you guys. Bye.